ready to be romanced. I'm Tori. I'm Jenna. And I'm Megan. And today we are discussing Twilight. Twilight. <laughs> oh my god, this is seriously the meeting of oh. the fucking minds because, okay, so my two Twilight obsessed friends <laughs> are meeting for the mm-hmm. first time, thank the fucking lord, and I'm so excited <laughs> to talk Twilight with you guys because this is the blueprint. Like, this is just... This is everything in modern Um, romance. mm. Everything stems. This is Genesis (laughs) stuff. Like, (laughs) oh my god! Yeah, you know, I think you may have heard of Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) No, no, baby, that is not actual romance novel. In fact, no, (laughs) it's a little book called Twilight by Stephanie meyer yeah oh my god okay jenna megan has been on this podcast like a trillion times at this point but (laughs) which i'm so grateful for but can (laughs) you introduce yourself to the listeners oh yes and and if you don't know me from being on tori's other podcast (laughs) ready to be petty my name is jenna and i am I, I like to say I'm affectionately, I'm that Twilight fan that you send all the videos to. Like, when you see a reel, you send it to me. So, you know, like, I'm that friend for you. Um, and if we're not friends yet, we are now. <laughs> um, I am a, I don't know, a depressed, weird lesbian who loves Twilight still at age 38. I started a podcast about Twilight last year called Supermassive Twilight Hole. And it is just a silly, goofy, deep dive podcasts about the fandom come over and check us out we just recently dropped an episode where we talk about how twilight is actually very gay coded and has so many awesome gay connections into it in honor of the fact that kristen stewart recently said in an interview that the twilight movie is in fact very gay despite the mormon lady and we stand we stand oh my god i know god I, like our three-way group chat just like blew up that day yeah okay megan what is your relationship to twilight like let us in on the the tea my relationship to twilight where do i where does one even begin is there my relationship with god my relationship no i no, I, I just want to say, I just want to plug that I listened to your gay episode, uh, Jenna, and it was so good. And it like brought up so much for me as also a like depressed lesbian, queer woman who's still into Twilight so 18 it's years not, later. Not Whatever. It's not a phase. It's not a phase. It's really not. Like, it's like Bella and Edward's love is like, was my love with Twilight. It was never yeah. going to not. And so relationship to Twilight was... Um, picked it up when I was 13 years old in grade seven, which was, I did the math, I think. Well, when did Twilight, when did it, when was it published? <laughs> okay. I know I meant the right people. I knew that I could ask that and you would know. I think that I picked it up in like 2006 or 2007 because um, Eclipse wasn't, wasn't mm-hmm. out yet. Um, so I picked it up. I'm pretty sure just in like a random bookstore. Like it was just probably on like a hot reads for YA and the and the cover looked cool like I don't remember hearing about it any other way and I just loved going to the bookstore and picking stuff up and I think I read the back where it was like there were three things that oh I knew that were true God. like chills full body and, chills and I and I picked it up and I wish that I remembered more specifically but but essentially I have never reread another book mm-hmm. more than I have than I have mm-hmm. read Twilight 
my pages like the original twilight book i have which is like stored safely in my parents basement i will eventually make its way i just i'm like too scared i need to make Mm -hmm. sure it's safe when it travels to my apartment now is disintegrated like like cover falling off pages it's got sticky notes like i was annotating before the book talk girlies were annotating (laughs) with sticky notes of all my favorite parts and and i just and i was an absolute nut show about it and it was the best romance that had ever hit me and I was obsessed and I just and it and it took me through I mean we've all had a journey with it where I I think it was was never a phase but I did fall out of it for a while I think when we like when I like I discovered feminism (laughs) and was like okay it's it's like maybe complicated to like this and like what does that mean about me and then and then like with COVID the renaissance that kind of happened um, like just brought me right back in and I, there's so much to talk about but like I, I've been in it since I was like a 13 year old girl and and loving it. Uh, it is I love to hear people's origin stories with this fandom because A they're just always so long like no one's really like discovering Twilight well I guess there was like a Gen Z gen, like generation that is but like mm-hmm. but people our age like in our age groups like it's it's such a like lifelong fandom which I love yeah. so much And I always remember, so like I had a friend who lived up the street from me. So this would have been, I would have been in grade eight or nine. So this would have been, I would say like 2007. And I had, yeah, a neighborhood friend. She lived up the block from me and we always exchanged books. And like we would read like, you know, like Sophie Kinsilla and stuff like that. Like (laughs) Confessions of a Shopaholic, like that type of stuff. Mm. Nicholas Sparks, like all of that shit. And she was like, oh, my God, I just downed this book in like one day. It's called Twilight. You have to read it. And I was like, "Okay, like, sure. This was middle of the summer, like heat of the summer. Mm. So I'm like, "Okay, for sure. She gives it to me. I sit down on my couch and I read it in one sitting. And Mm. I was just like, this is like, like, it was like crack to me. Like, I couldn't believe that I... It was your own personal it, it, it was. No, it literally was. Like, I I was like, I cannot believe that I have read any book before this. Because this <laughs> is, like, why? What was the point? There was why no... Why did I even go to school? No, like, I literally. The, I was like, this is everything to me. I remember, like, the next day or, like, a few days after, um, we were... My family and I were going on a road trip to visit my cousin's. And I made my mom stop at like a save on foods, like a grocery store and was like, you actually need to buy me new moon and eclipse. And I read them in the car on the way to this. Yeah. Like this family vacation. So I like didn't say a fucking peep, but like in my family, you like didn't buy books. You got them from the library or you got them from friends. And when I was like, I need you to buy me these copies, she was like, okay, like, I guess so, because it's like reading. And I was just like, <laughs> I was it just, it's, it's so good. And then I was obsessed ever since. Like, I, I remember when I was a resident advisor in college, I hosted like a Twilight, like movie marathon and stuff like that. Like, it, it's just, so it is stuck with me all through into my 30s, but like, rereading this book for this podcast was just like this book fucking holds up 
It does in a weird way. I mean, there's the flaws and yeah, stuff. Yeah, of course. Of but course. it yeah. up in its own way. Um, my story is a little silly in a way because I started when I was a full-grown adult. So right. I really didn't have, like, that excuse of being, like, this young teen that, like, got peer pressured by, yeah. like, society or, like, the media <laughs> or whatever, yeah. right? So I was, like, around 24, 25, and I was going through a really dark time in my life. My parents were diagnosed with cancer, and they were both... Uh, terminal. My mother had just passed away and my father was still fighting his cancer and it wasn't looking very good. And I was also working in a hospital at the time and my friend was like, Jenna, you should read this book Twilight. And I had heard of it, right? I, you know, seen people talk about it. And I looked at it, I was like, I'm absolutely not going to read this because this is for teens. It's about vampires and werewolves. You will not catch me reading this trash. And I threw it in my desk and like was like not going to do it. And then in a like, couple weeks later, I was really down because I had just gotten back from my mother's funeral and I was just like not in a good place and I was desperate for anything and I picked it up, fucking read it again, probably read it in one session and that was it for me and it, the entire like saga, all of the books, the movies, the fandom, everything from that point really like genuinely saved my life. I went through a really dark couple years following that and every time I needed to just like escape from my shitty marriage, my life, all of it, I would pick up Twilight again. I remember very, like, it's, you know, it's kind of dark, but my dad was getting ready to pass away, and I just, like, knew it, I felt it. I just immediately picked up the books again, and I just, like, read it and was able to read that through that time. And Twilight's my everything. Like, it just, you know, so I, I... I really love the whole love story. I love all of the other parts of it. What I think some people don't realize is there is such a great underlying storyline with Bella and her journey with her family and what yeah. she believes in and her selflessness that I really globbed onto when I was going through a lot of weird familiar shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's such a good point about escapism. And I you're right that like sometimes the character arcs are downplayed because of the romance mm -hmm. pieces of it. But there is something that like you can like learn and enjoy from it. But it's also just like pure escapism, like you're saying. Yes. Oh my god, I escaped so much through these. And my joke always is that had my friend handed me Harry Potter lord of the rings mm -hmm. or the bible <laughs> like whatever it was that i had picked up but the fates brought <laughs> yeah. the twilight yeah. baby they knew they knew and i'm forever grateful for that because i think that was the right fandom for me to get into and uh i i really appreciate it so i love that and oh. it you're so right though about turning to it in tough times like I never saw myself really as an anxious high school kid, but then you like learn what anxiety is and then you look back at yourself and you're like, oh my God, you were just like, ah. or depression. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, you're totally right. Like it was such a comfort book for me. Like there's the chapter where he first stays overnight with her, like when uh, she's like sleeping. Like I feel like I read that like, 300 times in high yeah. school like I would just flip my book open I had it not dog-eared but maybe like a bookmark in it and I would just literally flip to that chapter read the entire thing and go to bed you know it's so funny I haven't and it like I don't think that there were any other books that I did that with like I Same. was a Harry Potter kid I I did love other books I I was a reader and I did I I put sticky notes 
on so many of my favorite parts so that I could like go back to them easily so that I didn't have to like look through it every time to find the parts that I thought were so good, which I wish I had. I will have to message you both actually when I do go home for like Christmas and find it and find the parts. Cause I remember sticky, like putting sticky notes on like the things that I thought were hot. Like that I was like, I was like, I, I, I like remember, I remembered some of them when I read and I have bookmarked them now just in my, in my e-reader. So we'll talk about them. Well, and also because remind me, Megan, you're the one who has read Midnight Sun. I'm a fake fan. I'm a fake fan. Okay, so fake fan. (laughs) All of them. And there (laughs) are some really sexy parts in Midnight Sun, and I was like, (laughs) okay, so I own Midnight Sun, obviously, because I have to have the complete set. I have not read Life and Death, um, Mm. and then Midnight Sun. But I just downloaded Midnight Sun for my Kindle and I will be, yes. because I'm fully back into the fandom, I need to live mm-hmm. out my like Twilight Girl dreams right now. So I, I'm mm-hmm. going to read it like this week. But I want to say also, it resonated with me so hard because I thought I was Bella Swan. Mm-hmm. I always felt like kind of a loser in high school, even though like I was like not like by any stretch of the mad like I don't know (laughs) like I don't know like not to be like annoying but like I had friends and stuff like that like I don't like I I don't know but I I was always the reader I felt boring and bland like her and I also felt like very prudish and like virginal (laughs) and so reading this also just like really spoke to me at the time yeah I have multiple things marked about how relatable it is when I read reread it as a 30 year old woman. Like, like there are pieces that are so relatable. So we'll have to talk about that. I just need to give it two second shout out to something you said yeah. before, Tori, which was that I, I have also had a driving experience with Twilight where you like on, like on the way to a vacation, like I get sick reading in the car, but had, to, but had to read it because I was in it in the grip. So I love that it's, Bring me another page turner like Twilight. Have yet to have yet <laughs> I read to experience it. it. I read it on the city bus. Like I do remember in the first, like yeah. the first time reading all of the series. I read it on the city bus, and I too get sick. But I, I have that memory of like no, I'm reading Eclipse on the fucking city bus. Like, do not bother me. <laughs> oh my god. It's. I'm so glad that we all had that experience. We're obviously the right people to be talking about it. And then also relationship to Twilight this is kind of related to the movie but it's actually just related to how much I'm upset how much I was obsessed with Twilight I had my first kiss at a Twilight party that me and my girlfriends it was the just wait wasn't this like your first girl boy party it was like the first girl boy party and it 100% because like I can't this is like my favorite anecdote was that the the like my best friends who I had all given Twilight to and was like you have to read it and got them invested and when the movie came out we hosted a party and you to come to the party you had to have read the book (laughs) we were serious about it and so we got like six seven eight boys to read the book in grade 10 because they were like wanting to come to this hot girl twilight party and they need, knew they needed I'm to read the shook. book if they wanted to get in and it was before the premiere and we like made vampire like themed cookies and and decorations and we played spin the bottle oh my before God. we went to the Scandy. movies and that was and that was my first i mean it was a terrible first kiss but my first kiss was at a twilight party and that's actually what the important <laughs> part is so Oh my god, that is so cute. It just Amazed. 
So I just love Twilight. It just infiltrates every part of my life. Thanks, Twilight. Well, that being said, let's start. No. Yeah, yeah. Let's. I had never given much thought to how I would die. <laughs> Though I had a reason enough in the last few months, but even if I had, I would have not imagined. No, okay. <laughs> no, but I actually like want to do that with you. <laughs> like, I would be really down to just like read some aloud. No, I, yeah, okay. I think the last thing I just want to say about this book in context to this podcast is that it is dictated so much of popular romance Mm -hmm. like if there is a book and it's written post like post 2005 but post like it's big boom in like 2008 2009 like there are so many references to this book like it really was like a genre shifter Mm -hmm. and I know that it's more probably like considered YA than like straight Mm -hmm. up like romance but like I just want to give it its due that it was like pivotal and like critical to today's books I also want to say there's a lot of bad things about it (laughs) and Jenna and I did a podcast episode about the cultural impact of Twilight maybe I should make that one public on my on my feed um but we did we looked at the purity culture we looked at the use of indigenous culture we we did a big deep dive. So even if we don't touch on all of those things today, know that we know them and I've talked <laughs> about them before. And I'll like put all of those things in in um, the episode show notes. And Jenna has done, she has a Twilight podcast, so she has done a lot of that work too. So yeah, I would definitely like to shout out my episode about Team Jacob. I had uh, Corinne from Twilight TikTok on. She is the Team Jacob lady. So if you know who I'm talking about, she was on the podcast and we did a really great episode about Jacob and the Kodiak tribe and everything and how much we were taught to hate Jacob um, based in like racism. So a uh, really great episode. Yeah. Or like over sexualize him with his like shirt yeah. off and stuff like that. Yeah. It's there's been yeah tons of things like to discuss and yeah we've touched on a lot of it and we're gonna get kind of get into the book so spoilers ahead if you haven't read this (laughs) fucking bang bang bangerang of a novel but we're not gonna talk about we'll try our very best to not spoil anything that comes like future in the series but as we mentioned before it is penned by stephanie meyer and it was released on october 5th 2005 it Starts off with Isabella Swan, also known as Bella. She's 17 and she's moving from Phoenix, Arizona to Forks, Washington to live with her father, Charlie. This was another really captivating thing for me because I actually like I didn't live in the Pacific Northwest at the time. I but I was like shook. My my family's from the Tacoma, Seattle region. So like that was that area is very familiar to me. And like Jenna's in Portland and like. It was just, like, seeing a book also set where you, like, kind of live was also just, like, shocking to me. I've heard a couple people say that. It's just, like, it it is so real feeling, you know, in a weird way. It's all very fantasy, of course. But, you know, it's, like, it's a place. You know, it's an area that everyone knows about. And if you haven't been there, you can go there. Yeah. Like, it's so close to our, like, fingertips. Which at the mm-hmm. time when, yeah, we were reading, like, Harry Potter and stuff like that, this seemed, again, just, like, so, like, such a stark contrast to me. So we learned that her mother just remarried to a, a new partner, Phil, who is a minor league baseball player. 
And she can tell that her mom wants to spend time with her new husband. So she says, okay, I'll go live with my dad, your ex-husband, Charlie, even though she knows like she's leaving her friends and the the warmth of Arizona to live in cold, wet forks. Um, and she arrives and Charlie is excited, but it's kind of awkward between them. But she kind of has an awkward relationship with both of her parents. Yeah, yeah. And I think that maybe is why a lot of people related to that, like her as a character. I mean, for, for all of Stephanie's, like, issues with writing, she definitely created probably one of the best self-insert characters, in my opinion. Like, I totally. feel like everyone can just relate to Bella in some regard, even if their story isn't exactly the same, you know? Yeah. I wonder, I feel like that's, like, one of the most impeccable pieces of why this captured so many people and why it's, like, so obvious that, like, Bella is also Stephanie Meyer. Like, you know, it's her fantasy, but it's also just she is, I love Bella in her own right and don't think that she's just, like, bland, but you can, like, insert yourself into her and and it's that's what makes it as reading it now and I was like that's me that's me that's me I know <laughs> like okay but like at the time I because I was like so duped because I like didn't understand obviously what a self-insert like kind of you know vague character is and so I was just like no I should be cast as Bella Swan for the movie <laughs> like I had no idea. I just, uh, you know, was hook, line, and sinker. And Charlie is a cop, we learned. <laughs> Which, you know, this isn't an ACAB podcast, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, boo. <laughs> um, but he has bought a 60s truck from their friend, Billy Black, who lives on the LaPush Reservation, and whose son Bella used to hang out with when she spent her summers there. And Jenna has, and I was telling Megan about this earlier today, my favorite tattoo of yours is the tattoo of the red truck. Yeah. It's so good. It's so perfect. And it has a little dent on the back. Stop. When did you get yeah. that? I got it like two years ago. It was my first Twilight, t- Twilight tattoo. I now, now oh. have five. Um, but it was really special for me to get this one. And it's very subtle. People, I literally have people who are like, oh, do you really like vintage trucks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As the 60s, like Ford or whatever it is. Like just that one. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. And yeah, she feels like she doesn't fit in with people. She doesn't really, I don't know. She has like friends to have friends and she has a relationship with her parents to have a relationship, but she doesn't see like seen by anyone. Mm-hmm. But everyone's really interested in her at school because she's new and she like finds a friend group and we get to meet Jessica and Angela, Mike and Eric, <laughs> which like when I first read these books, I was like, okay, like go away. I just want Bella and Edward <laughs> content. Like I was like kind of fuck off. But now I like have come to appreciate them. Well, wh- who would you, who would be your forks bestie of the, of like Jessica Angela, Lauren, Eric, Mike, who would you like be drawn to be friends with if you were like also new and for Probably Jessica because she's like kind of bitchy and like gossipy and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like I need to, like I would be, if she was like giving an olive branch and she obviously wants to like capitalize on the newness, the new currency of Bella, which everybody is obsessed with her which I also just love then definitely definitely I would like try to fall in with Jessica but um 
but I think that I would like have a big time crush on Mike. I'd be so annoyed about it, and I would like. Have yeah, him. he's just so like forthcoming and like nice to her. Like, yeah, I would have been obsessed with him too. But as soon as the movie came out and he was like kind of dweeby, I was like. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> But at lunchtime, Bella sees this group of five students sitting together and she learns that they're the Cullen family and they don't hang out with other students and they're often away on camping trips and their dad is a local doctor who adopted them (laughs) and they all look freakishly beautiful and they they make up two couples and a fifth wheel, Rosalie and Emmett, Jasper and Alice and (laughs) Edward who at again at the time reading this I was just like yeah (laughs) no can we talk about that because the way that I didn't question that it was weird that they were a couple and Jessica I don't can't remember if it's in the book but they're just like yeah it's kind of like they're all together did you clock that as weird I just was like oh yeah okay cool no I was like that's the dream that your dad adopts a hot (laughs) a hot guy you can date like Okay, maybe, maybe people think that's too step stepbrothery. I'm gonna get canceled, but I'm just like, yeah. Did like CPS ever get called on them? Like, I want to know, like, if anyone in the town, you know, that town has got some nosy fucking carrots. Or like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know about this, but of course, like, we find out that like Charlie's like, no, they're like the best fucking people in town. They're super wealthy. Thank God, somebody brought some money to this town, and uh, which like funny enough, like the real forks I go every year. They they have Tesla parking spots there, and I'm just like, yeah, that's that Twilight money. That's that, <laughs> that Colin money coming to your town. Because oh otherwise, this one two stoplight town would not have that. Uh, but yeah, but they're apparently so well behaved. And so, well, yeah, because they're fucking crazy vampires. Yeah, my God. And she's like particularly inter- interested in this bronze haired boy. Uh. <laughs> like, that I want to say at the time, though, also like, his aesthetic, I guess, like, described in the book, but definitely in the movies, was, like, the aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, like, it really was. It's... That haircut and, like, the pea coat and shit like that. He wears, like, a light brown leather jacket in the book, but, like, <laughs> still. The, like, pistoled hair and the, and, and yeah, like, so, like, so bronze and his, like, crooked smile. That, and, like, oh, my, moody and mysterious. <laughs> like purple purple shadows under his eyes like at all times and I'm just like yeah no he's so and he's described as like the most beautiful you know person that like takes her breath away and so you're immediately also gooped like okay I'm also into this mysterious guy and they're like oh that that family like they don't Right? They don't, they don't talk to us. Talk but to they're anybody. like bitter about it. Like, it's like you're jealous. <laughs> like, you're fucking jealous. And lo and behold, uh, Bella's next class is biology, and the spot next to Edward is the only one free. And Edward seems like absolutely fucking repulsed by her. <laughs> and he's like bare knuckling, like <laughs> white knuckling <laughs> the edge of the biology table. And he's like sitting as far away from her as possible, like not talking to her. His eyes are like pure black. And she's like, oh my God, like I either like stink or like he hates me for like some reason that I just like can't understand. And then he disappears and he we don't see him for another week. But then on Monday he gets back and his eyes are, you know, gold and 
he starts talking to her like their first encounter never happened. <laughs> the way she's like this second she lays eyes on him in the cafeteria though, she is in love. Like like she yeah, she she doesn't stop thinking about mm. him. I mean, I guess I just, you know, no no shade to Bella. Like I also that was such an intense interaction that why would somebody like hate her so bad so much and then disappear? I guess I would also be thinking about that. Like I'd be like anxious and spiraling. So that's fair, I guess, actually. It's, it's classic uh, negging. Let's be It's like he created that. That, <laughs> uh, that obsession. Know. Interesting. Yeah. Like, you know, he treats her like shit and then disappears and like, oh man, I need to have him back. And I he's like, we can't be friends. This. You shouldn't be friends oh, with me, God. but I'm like actively pursuing you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is so fucking funny. But yeah, it's, it's, you're totally right though, Megan, like about just, it's, classic crush behavior where it's like you see him and now every single time they're in a room she's like trying to find where he is or like in the parking lot or in the cafeteria or like whatever like she's just always trying to like figure out where he is and like she talks to her friends like asks them questions and stuff like that like she's obsessed (laughs) it's just also relatable like for a crush at that time whether you don't even know about them or not like I just remember feeling like yeah obsessed and wanting to spend all my time or thinking about anybody that I had a crush on when I was yeah what is she in grade maybe grade 11 yeah maybe grade 11 or so yeah can we talk about yeah so this she he comes back but then he's being polite to her right and he's trying to engage in a conversation with her and I just need to know what you would say to somebody who says to you out of nowhere he's like so angry there's this underlying anger obviously that he that she can sense and pick up because he's like why are you here and like what I can't read you and stuff and then he goes you put on a good show but I'd be willing to bet you're suffering more than you let anyone see and it's like you want to be seen if you're like a depressed girly and you're like so you're like that's so great you see that but also what would you I'm like up trying to imagine someone saying that to me who I don't know and I would just be like what an arrogant boy thing to say you think you know me so well he is so arrogant boy right now like they're looking at the cell phases of an onion tip and he's like anaphase and she's like can I check and he's like no it's anaphase which like I get because why the fuck are you a vampire at high school when you could just be like living your life like doing fucking whatever but like yeah he is kind of like a little bit of a dick which again I'm like fucking hook line and sinker I know I, I, I think I think when we look back at this so much I think it's interesting how much we we cringe at how we hold this relationship up so high to our like you know like this is our otp but at the same time like you know they were he was being such a dick and she was being such a pick me (laughs) she is the biggest pick me me. because she like likes this attention this dickish attention she's like into it and that's what bonds them and when you read midnight sun and you kind of get this whole picture it's like you just see it like they are kind of perfect for each other because they're just like losers (laughs) and like but like that was how we all felt like too i mean that's what's the beauty of the time capsule that stephanie created for all of us is that that is how we were too that's how i was Mm -hmm. like i hope to be not that way now like i would be like you said meg like right now like somebody said that to me i'd be like excuse you like get the fuck out of my face but at that age i would have been like oh my god like (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, he really gets me, you know? And like, I just think that that's, we have to admit to ourselves when we think about this, that's why it's just imprinted. Sorry to use that word. <laughs> Triggering. So deeply onto us. Cause like I, for most, for the most part, we were all this way. Totally. Like when they're mm. in the car later on in the book and the classical music plays and She's like, oh, Claire de Lune. And he's like, you know Debussy? <laughs> like, <Yeah>. fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> a few days later, they're in the parking lot and it has snowed and a car, like this other kid, Tyler, is driving a car and he loses control and he's going to hit Bella. But Edward, from out of nowhere, stops the oncoming car with one hand, <gasps> leaving this huge dent in her truck, just like jenna's tattoo and bella's like what the fuck just happened so they go to the hospital and edward completely gaslights her (laughs) she's like you were standing across from the parking lot i would know i'm obsessed with you and (laughs) and he's like what do you mean bella i was standing right next to you i think you hit your head pretty hard and like again at the time i was just like yeah (laughs) sure I love how angry I didn't realize until I reread like how many little conflict scenes that they have actually where they're like quite like annoyed or like pissed off at each other. It's always like very soothed over very quickly. But at the beginning, yeah, he like fully gaslights her after he saved her life. And there's like this energy between them. But then she's like pissed off because she knows that he's lying and she's like I'm not gonna drop this but also I'm like not gonna tell anybody you can trust me and he obviously doesn't I don't know doesn't trust her yet he's just mad at himself because he should have just let her die but he, he like he's so mad but then I think also it's like could you have let her die because there would have been blood and he would have had like a fucking freak out so I'm like yeah, he says yeah, that later. He yeah, thinks, so I'm like, yeah. actually, I, I think you actually had to save her in that moment. But he, he's like, oh, no, it's because I'm actually, like, also obsessed with her. Oh, I can't wait for you to read my nice son. Sorry. I'm going yeah, to say Corey. this, like, a million times. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start it tonight, honestly. I'm so, like, you guys, I was cheesing the entire time. Like, I was reading the book like this, like, <laughs> like, like kicking my legs, fucking smiling ear to ear. So that weekend, Bella and her friends go to La Push, and they bump into Jacob Black, who is of the Kwailu Nation. And they mention that Colin's not coming on their little, like, friend excursion. And she's like, why is that? The Collins don't come here. <laughs> like, but she presses Jacob, and he's like, yeah, they can't come here because the people of my nation think that they are the cold ones or vampires. Um, and she kind of, he kind of tells the story about the wolves and the vampires that we like obviously learn about throughout this series and she's like okay that like kind of makes sense but she goes home and does research on it and she's like oh no this could be like legitimately real and she has a dream where Jacob turns into a wolf and Edward is like you know like bears his fangs and, and like attacks him and she was like she was a little too i'm okay like i'm okay, okay with, with it, it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, she didn't give a fuck about the repercussions of, of like the world and society at all <laughs> that's right no she was like her hormones were too were going too much for the bronze haired <laughs> cutie can we talk about how cute jacob is with like this scene where she's like oh this like childhood friend and I think you know and Bella's so relatable 
because she's so self-deprecating. I mean, they both are, especially yeah, when you read Midnight Sun. But Bella has like no faith in her herself in any way, shape, or form. But she's like, I gotta try to flirt with him to like get this information. <laughs> and it's so char it's like so actually annoyingly charming. And Jacob's like blushy and cute and tells her, and he obviously wants to impress her with this story as they're like walking along the beach because he's obviously maybe got a crush on her, had a childhood crush or something. And it's just really it like plants some cute seeds for Jacob Black is all yeah, I'm Yeah, no, say. I mean, Stephanie, definitely, I would love to have known, like, how far ahead she had had all this planned out, you know, like, rewriting or writing it, mm -hmm. you know, so, like, it's great, because, you know, it is the love, it's the love triangle of all love triangles in romance novels, right? Totally. I actually was thinking that, too, Jenna, when I reread it, because I, like, totally forgot that at the end of the book, again, like, spoiler if you're, like, reading it along with us, but, like, <laughs> when Edward's like, oh, Alice sees you as a vampire, I was like, oh, like, there was, like, some things that I didn't remember that I'm like oh she has this planned out or like they mentioned the Volturi in the yeah exactly that yeah. I I never caught in because probably I skipped mm -hmm. the fucking Carlisle uh lore <laughs> deep dive every time every time I read it but like this time I like kind of read it and like I was like oh he actually mentions the Volturi like that's nuts in episode book one Mm -hmm. season, one, <laughs> season one. one but yeah so she says so yeah she has some like she's get she gets some intel that's obviously like that that yeah something's going on here and and why he was able to stop the car and what's going on um yeah and she's like she's intrigued but she's yeah hammered. she's okay with it so they go to port angeles jessica angela and bella and she wanders off she gets stopped by a group of scary men and Edward's Volvo, like, races up and saves her. And she's like, how did you find me? And he's like, I, like, stalked you here by tracing your scent. I can read mine. So I heard what the guys were going to say. I should have killed them. And um, that's, like, why I can move really quickly. Like, <laughs> because, yeah, like, there, there's something, like, different about me. And they go to a restaurant for dinner he's like I feel like you're human you have human needs I feel like we should go for dinner and um Bella is like so impressed by him ignoring the like the waiters <laughs> that are like hitting on him left right and center but obviously he only has eyes for her and she eats the mushroom ravioli and on the way home she's like okay so like I asked Jacob my friend from La Push, about your family and like I'm adding up like A, B, C, and D, and like I think you're a vampire, and he's just like, yeah. <laughs> Which like again shook me from because I hadn't read the books in so long, and I only remembered the movie like say say it aloud, vampire, and like so I was like, oh my god, she says it so nonchalant in his fucking car on the way home from Port Angeles. I mean, I guess he could kill her in the forest in the movie or in her car, but it is wild to me to think that like she did it in this way, real in the reality of it. Totally, because, like you're so alone with this man. Like he could really just like you think you know he's a vampire. <laughs> could it just okay? And you're like yeah. totally like okay with it. Which what do you guys think about that? Like she really has like no fear except for like the times he like fake like 
attacks her and stuff like that. Yeah, I relatable. I would a hot like vampire yeah. who's yeah. gonna bring something like exciting to my yeah. life, and I can be. I want. I want. I'm a pick me girl. <laughs> I want there to. I want there's something special to happen to me. Are you kidding me? Like my the only problem is I wouldn't be able to keep my fat mouth shut about it. Like I'd be <laughs> telling everybody. I'd be telling Jessica. Intrigue. Sorry, I'd be like. I would be. Go- I would be calling. So I wouldn't be. So you know, Edward wouldn't pick me. But yeah, it's so it's actually really funny that she doesn't this plot point that she doesn't care at all because Edward multiple times is like, I'm waiting for you to go into shock or like, I'm waiting for you to have this. It's really funny. There's a quote right after he saves her from almost being like essayed and like hurt by these terrible men. And she's just fine. Yeah. She's just like so stoked to see Edward and maybe a shock response or whatever. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm waiting for you to go shock. And she goes, she goes, I don't think that will happen. I said, after I could breathe again, I've always been good at repressing unpleasant <laughs> things. And I'm like, relatable, oh relatable God. content, yeah. girl. Like, I have also been good at repressing unpleasant things. You and things. me both, Bella. That's so funny. I know. And then she like, when he like kisses her, she like passes out. But like, like. And so she is, and the thing is why it doesn't like surprise me at all that she would do this or like I would or either is that unfortunately a lot of us when we are teens, like we will date older men, we will do whatever. And like part of it's also like our brains are not fully fucking formed. And I, I had this just thought right now when people say like, oh, why didn't Stephanie age them all up originally? Like, why didn't this take place in college, et cetera? It's like, because... Bella would have been too smart for this. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm right, saying? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Anyway. Mm. So she goes home that night after, you know, the perfect first date, and she says the iconic quote about three things I was absolutely positive. First, Edward was a vampire. Second, there was a part of him, and I didn't know how potent that part might be that thirsted for my blood. And third, I was unconditionally and irrevocably in love with him. If I ever... The way <laughs> oh, we, all have, we all have something to say. <laughs> Meg, go first. The way I will never hear the word irrevocably and not think about without this. associating it with this. I've talked about this with people, so that's my thing. It is an irrevocably, you know? <laughs> changed True. me. True, true. If I ever get married again, this is going in my vows. Oh, I love that. Is it going to be like Twilight theme? Do you need to find somebody? Probably. Like, I probably need to find somebody who's willing to do that with me. Yeah. And then I just like change the, the nouns a little bit, a little, you know, I don't know. Irrevocably in love with you. You yeah. know, I, yeah. going in my vows. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah, this was on the back of the book for people who like, I don't know, didn't read the the paperback like us OGs. (laughs) So this was like, this was a big selling point. And I actually remember after I had read the book, I was flipping through a magazine, like a Cosmo Girl or a, I don't know, YM or something like that. And uh, there was an ad for Twilight and this was the quote that was used. So like, this was like the big, the, the huge it was like the thing. So they have lunch together at school. I like, again, like blushy, blushy. I wrote down some quotes that I was like, I'm obsessed with. So he's like sitting by himself when he used to sits with his family. She walks into the uh, cafeteria and she goes, once he'd caught my eye, he raised one hand and motioned with his index finger for me to join him. I, as I stared in disbelief, he winked. I don't know why I was like, <laughs> I was like, literally i'm like so obsessed about him winking at her like and then this is the part this is like the the ray-bans volvo parking lot scene in the movie but when he goes like uh well 
I decided as long as I was going to hell, I might as well do it thoroughly. And then the what if I'm not the superhero? What if I'm the bad guy? Like just a fucking iconic lines, like hit after hit. That scene, the lunch scene is like, super flirty and super cute and you're just like okay there's a thing happening now which is really cute and he saves like her a little lemonade cap yeah that, that she, she has with. they're having like a cute they're having a cute time with it he walks her to every class and when he drops her off he just touches like the side of her cheek and I was just like again when I was reading this for the first time and still now I was like that's like peak romanticism mm-hmm. like just the finger down the the cheek he raised his hand hesitant conflict raging in his eyes and then swiftly brush brushed the length of my cheekbone with his fingertips his skin was icy as ever but the trail his fingers left on my skin was alarmingly warm like i'd been burned but didn't feel the pain of it yet he turned without a word and strode quickly <laughs> away from me that part like that part makes me laugh because i'm just like you just like touched and then like t- turned He's and always, walked like, away running away <laughs> like when it gets too much but there is such desire like I think that was also he like walks her to class in that piece but there's also like before that they're watching a movie when the lights go out in a in their science class and she feels the energy like I remember reading it and being like this is there's electricity between them because the lights go off and she can't even pay attention to the movie because he's sitting beside her and she's just thinking about how close he is. And I can remember having crushes on people and like moments like that where I was just thinking about like how close or the proximity that I was to somebody. And like, I mean, the energy was made up in my head, the sparks, but there's real sparks going on between them. Me too. Yeah, that happens multiple times in biology with them. Like, I think that happens twice, which is just so funny. But yeah, it's just... Maybe not a universal experience, but, like, like it's just put yourself in that. Yeah, and I think about, like, in the movie, my favorite scene is the end of the prom scene, right? When she's, like, I'm ready, and he's, like, you're ready, and he's, like, looking at her so pained. I have, like, a screenshot of the exact moment where he looks at, where Robert Pattinson, in my opinion, give him an Oscar, literally just completely nails that pained look, that pained, like, passion, desire look. And we get that in these moments in the book. And I think that, like, I just, I more of, like, I have a wonderment of, like, how much did that affect a lot of us where we think, like, true romance is, like, this idea that, like, the person is, like, tortured but, like, still wants to touch us. Like, that's so hot to me. I don't know. I know. And it is in so many different fanfics. Like, I just started writing fanfic. And it's, like, that moment of, like, touching the chin and being, like, tortured by it is... It's uh... very, like, Regency London romance. I mean, in Desire, we know that this thematically because of the Mormonism. But, like, Desire is so bad, right? Like, I have another quote where from when they're in watching the movie and Bella says a crazy impulse to reach over and touch him to stroke his perfect face just once in the darkness nearly overwhelmed me. I crossed my arms tightly across my chest, my hands balling into fists. I was losing my mind. And my comment is just like desire is so bad for her. Like multiple times she is giving herself, like Bella also has a slight self-awareness that she's like, yeah, I must be crazy that I'm like putting my own life in my hands. True, true. To be around him and I just... like I I am this is not good I, like there's multiple times where she's just like oh yeah I'm crazy and I'm like you are crazy girl but like but I get also, it like, kind of feel like that when you I feel like first have like a crush on per- a person you're like I am a psycho for feeling this way mm-hmm. that was the relatable part 
<laughs> That's what I got out of that. <laughs> Megan's shaking her head. So the next weekend, Edward asks if Bella would accompany him to somewhere where it's sunny because he wants to show her what he looks like in the sun because she like asks him about all these like vamp myths and he busts them all, but he does say like, we can't go out in the sun and I'll show you why someday. (laughs) And so they drive up to the forest and then they like hike to a meadow. Again, she should be like, Again, like freaking out that a vampire is taking you into the middle of the forest. And I love because she's like clumsy and like not a hiking girl. Again, I was like, this is me. And he was so patient when she was like hiking into the forest with her. And then the sun comes down and Edward steps into the light and his skin sparkles like a million diamonds. Dreamy. Angelic. Like... (laughs) That highlight, where can I get that highlight? You can get it at popcolor.com. Yeah. $99 and I have it. It's fine. It's good. It's okay. Uh (laughs) No, okay, but like literally I didn't know this was embarrassing until like the movies came out and everyone was like, oh my god, like a sparkly vampire. And I was like, in my head, I was like, yeah. And I love it. (laughs) Like... Yeah, Stephanie really popped off with trying to, like, make her own vampire lore. Yeah. Uh, and she stands by it, I guess, but it is fucking weird when you look at, like, other vampire lore. I guess, I don't know, like, she really tried. <laughs> She's like, and they can exist on animal blood, and they, they, yeah. they. it's like, okay, people. Yeah, it, it's not good if you, like, are, like, a va- uh, vampire fan, or, like, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan or anything like this, like... This is really, like, vampire light. But again, at the time I was reading it, I was just like, yeah, I'm I'm in love. Like, mm-hmm. I know there's so many problems with it. I know we mm-hmm. said this. But realizing when I was rereading this, just the way that he's so clear to her, to anybody who hasn't read Twilight or is just, like, along for the ride with us right now, the way that he's so clear with her that he might not bring her back alive when they go on this trip and he – and he's desperately asking her to tell people that he's going to be with her that day. And she tells tells a series of Mm -hmm. lies to make sure that nobody knows where she is. And he's distraught. Like he's, he's just like, Oh, so really like if I kill you and, and, and kill you dead. And there's so many problems. Someone needs to get Bella. Where was the student counselor? She, the night before, takes like cold medicine to sleep because she's I nervous. I was shook to my core rereading this. I was like, Tori, you read this in high school and you didn't bat a fucking eye? She literally abuses nighttime cold medicine. Yeah, he's like, I don't... He's like, I don't condone this, but I was stressed. <laughs> like, and and I, I just I just highlighted it being like concerning, <laughs> um, but also relatable. Yeah, yeah. So relatable. <laughs> no, totally. And he's like, yeah, he he doesn't get how chill she is about this because she leans in close to him at one point and he moves away so quickly, like we see this in the movie. Um he tries to freak her out like this is how fast I can move this is my strength he rips off the the tree branch as if I could <laughs> as if you could outrun me <laughs> as a 13 year old why was it why is it I was just like oh he's strong and he can do whatever he wants and and but he's like gentle and like and and with her and that whole meadow scene 
yeah, he does. He freaks her out and he shows her really, really how truly strong and scary and fast he is and all the vampire lore of like that he's been hiding, I guess, um, about who he truly is. And she and really they just like then wind up laying in the flowers, like lightly touching uh-huh. each other and like tracing each other's face with their fingertips. And I'm like, it's I so was romantic. feral for this. Just the way that they you know can't touch each other but they just like lightly like at one point he like closes his eyes and he goes statue still and she just traces his eyelids and his eyebrows and down his nose and his lips with her finger and just like and he like touches her neck and like puts his he lays his head to hear her heartbeat like I literally was like this is unwell I was so fucking unwell from this book I still am I still am I caressed his cheek, delicately stroked his eyelid, the purple shadow in the hollow under his eye. I traced the shape of his perfect nose and then so carefully his flawless lips. His lips parted under my hand and I could feel his cool breath on my fingertips. I wanted to lean in to inhale the scent of him. Oh, and they're so obsessed with each other and how they smell. And he's he says the line like he gives a, you know, it's not maybe the best analogy, but like it's like. He's like, if you were an addict and you put stale beer in a room, like they might drink it. But if you put like hundred year age scotch in a room, like they'll definitely drink it. And then he's like, but that's not even as intense as I feel. This is like putting heroin with a heroin <laughs> addict, which it's like, again, yeah, not, not a great, not a not great, great analogy, analogy, Edward, but like just him explaining his undying obsession with the way that she smells makes me want to smell good. I feel like, <laughs> like I don't smell bad as a person, but like I feel like I can improve some things. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I need to have whatever the Bella scent is like because like that. Did they, ever, did they ever come out with a perfume? I don't think they did. That would have been smart. Like, yeah, oddly, I actually don't think they did. Like, yeah. they came out with so much. They came out with, like, a curling iron to look like <laughs> Rosalie. They came out with so many things, but you're right. I don't know if they actually ever came out with a perfume. Uh, and, like, what would it smell? I guess, like, heroin? Like, what would you... <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and, like, deer meat? I don't really know. Like, to the two of the things that Edward loves the most. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking dead. Do you two like the... And so the lion fell in love with the lamb, he murmured. I looked away, hiding my eyes as I thrilled to the word. What a stupid lamb, I sighed. What a sick, masochistic <laughs> lion, he said. Do you love this? What do you think about um, it? It's it's not my favorite line. I like I liked it at the time because I think like it's a romantic way to share how you're feeling without being like, I love you, which would be yeah. insane after the sixth time you've <laughs> had a conversation with this person. <laughs> For some reason, I felt like this was was an easier pill to swallow at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, it's like we're already reading just like utter trash. Though, <laughs> yeah. I, mean. I, it's so easy, and I will not Bella for for how fast she's infatuated and and in love with like knowing him for two times two times that she's met him but the the this day is so pivotal because they spend the whole day together you just like when time passes and you're just like i know this person and like i guess yeah now i have feelings totally (laughs) (laughs) no but i get it especially in high school if you spend like any more time with a person that's like outside of classes like you are like 
I know everything about this person mm. and like I'm obsessed with them so I'm probably giving her way too much slack it, it's insane the way that they say I love you after like three days but like I don't know I don't care at this point I don't fucking care they lay down in the meadow iconic scene and then Edward carries Bella to the car and they like race it's the first time that she's like carried by him and then she has to sit down because she's dizzy and then he kisses her and he's like let me just try something and then he kisses her and it's like it's just really cute when they go back to Bella's house Edward's like hey girly pop anyways I I spy on you every single night like every single night that you sleep I'm standing in your bedroom watching you and she's like she's not like you fucking sick twisted stalker she's like oh my god but I talk in my sleep like what have you heard she's like let me call my dad the police I'm not even and the way again it didn't even phase me when I read it and I I I'm sorry like today in this day and age as in 2024 I highlighted this part where he said she's mortified because she realizes that she says his name in his in her sleep and he says don't be self-conscious he whispered in my ear if I could dream it all it would be about you I'm not ashamed of it I just like highlighted it and wrote a oh, romance. That is romance. So like, right there. it's so <laughs> cute, and she's like furiously blushing. Also, I used to be a blusher in high school, so I was like, I'm literally Bella. And he goes, "The blush on your cheeks is lovely." Fucking murder me. <laughs> like, he might. Charlie comes home and Edward disappears. And she's like, hey, I got to go to sleep, Charlie. And so she goes upstairs and he's lying in her bed. Again, I was like, this is so crazy when I was in high school. He talks about how he's like jealous of Mike and Eric. This is an interesting combo. This is the, the chapter that I used to reread every night before bed. She asks him about marriage first, obviously. And then he asks her, she asks him about sex and he's like have you like ever had sex and she's like no have you and he's like no and then he's like but we can't have sex personally because if I lose control for one second I could ruin you I was like at that age I didn't I guess he's fucking old I was like I didn't even know what like losing control in the bedroom was I don't think I I don't think I knew I did not pick up on any of that when I was knowing what is Jenna Jenna I'm like oh god I was like 25 I was like I absolutely knew I knew everything and I was that's why I mean I was like this is it baby let's go i mean god damn like that oh it's so much sexual tension and then you get that sexual tension later on in eclipse i know no spoilers mm, mm, eclipse is my favorite book literally exactly eclipse is my favorite because it's like uh but yeah it's like it's it's i i knew i knew i knew what was happening and i was scandalized still yeah, because it's so good oh my god it's so crazy and i forgot about this but he like sings her to sleep mm. again at the time i thought that was romantic but it's very it's giving kennergy in 2024 like <laughs> i think there's also i highlighted this line so this is a line that i definitely had bookmarked as a like sticky noted as a 13 year old and was like this is so hot that night she like doesn't want him to leave or yes, I yes, think yes 
he and she okay let me pull it up it'll be harder tomorrow like after i've left you i've had the scent of you in my head all day and i've grown amazingly desensitized if i'm away from you for any length of time i'll have to start over again and she's like don't go away then and then he goes that suits me he replied his face relaxing into a gentle smile bring on the shackles i'm your prisoner but his long long hands formed manacles around my wrist as he spoke and then he just like holds her wrist and I just was like like my kinky ass who what didn't even know about sex and kink was just like this is doing something for me yeah, I was so <laughs> I was so prudy I was just like I didn't even register anything like sexy I was just like this is so cute next day he says I don't want to jump ahead but he says uh she changes and she goes I'm decent and he goes wrong again you are utterly indecent. In the long, in the long khaki skirt, baby. The infamous long khaki skirt was doing it for him. I know. I again cannot wait until you read my nice son. But um, I, when I was in Forks last year, somebody cosplayed in that in the book description of the long khaki skirt yeah. and blue shirt, and I will say it was sexy. <laughs> But it was cool. But it was cool. I was like, I love this. But that's like that's when like the Mormonism pops out. Yes. So fucking hard. Yeah. You're just like, okay, Stephanie, I understand. <laughs> I just like I I wish I knew that stuff as a kid when I was reading this. At the time I was just like, she's such a tacky little bitch. But like I didn't pick up on any of like I I, I did register that the stalker, like the sleeping thing was weird, but that is literally I feel like the only thing I picked up on mm-hmm. as a kid reading this. One other uh, moment, and then we can talk about her meeting the family, but she's like, hey, like, what did you hear last night? His eyes, his gold eyes grew very soft. You said you loved me. I love you. I whispered, you are my life now. He answered simply. (laughs) So Edward brings Bella to meet his family. Rosalie and Emmett aren't there because Rosalie is mad about the situation because he could you know, kill her and then they could be discovered or whatever. But she meets Esme and Carlisle, Alice and Jasper. And Edward plays the piano for her, including a song that he composed for her. Again, Kenner, the Kennergy of this, of this man. And Alice invites them to play baseball because she can see the future and she knows that it's going to be a thunder and lightning storm that night. Bella goes home and changes and we find Billy and Jacob outside her house. And Billy warns Bella that Edward and the Cullens are dangerous. And at this point, she's like indignant. She's like, OK, well, let me remind you that the pact you made with the cold ones, you can't like out them. So they leave. Charlie comes home. Edward comes back to meet Bella, pick her up for their little date, and they get introduced, Edward and Charlie, and Charlie's, like, stoked (laughs) because he's obsessed with the Cullens and (laughs) obsessed that he's going to introduce her to baseball. I mean, he does go, at one point he goes, isn't isn't he a little old for you, Bella? And she's like, no, he's just, like, one grade older than me. (laughs) And literally, he doesn't realize that Edward is, um, I don't know, probably, like, 700 (laughs) grades older than her in reality. I don't think we've actually touched on that yet. Yeah. And, if you're, yeah. and if you are listening along and haven't read it, yeah. 
he is very fucking old and like adds everything else that's so creepy and also adds to the part that Bella is like doesn't give a shit. It's like, girl, girl. One of the funniest slash problematic things about the romance genre is in romance, it's like considered taboo if there is an age gap relationship, like say like 10, Mm -hmm. 20 years, which like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's taboo and sometimes like harmful. Mm -hmm. But if there's a hundred year difference, it's okay. No problem. (laughs) I don't know. Every book I'm obsessed with has like a hundred year age difference. Me too. It's it's a problem, but it's, it's just, it's still going to happen. Yeah. No, it is funny. Charlie does love the Cullens, but he also is like, Ed, which one's Edwin? <laughs> like, there's, some, there's like some funny negging yeah. in there. And there's, there's some cute, there's this moment, it kind of happens, they do it really well in the movies, but also in the book where the, the, you, you sense this lightheartedness, this shift from Edward being kind of like doom and gloom after the meadow scene. And so he stays that night and we like, you, you we went over it, but I want to point out some of my favorite like cute yeah. moments, which, which is early in the morning after they've woken up for the first time together, Edward's like, oh, do you have to eat like time for breakfast? And Bella's just like, oh, she like mock covers her neck and he's mortified and she's like see and you said I could yeah act. and he's like let me clarify so for breakfast that. for the human so funny for that and then later on too she's like what are you gonna make me for breakfast and he's uh, like um what do you want and she, she goes it's all right I fend for myself watch me, watch hunt. me hunt and it's like really flirty and really cute and I'm just like oh they're like meeting their stride like I guess yeah, it's there. There's some like really funny, some really funny stuff. Even when he like fake attacks her in the bedroom. I think I also had that bookmarked because she's like, "You're not scary," and he's like, "Oh, you're gonna regret saying that." And she's like, "You wouldn't dare." And he like tackles her, but like safely because she, of course he wouldn't hurt her. And then he's kind of like holding her, and she's like, "Can you let me up?" And he's just like, "No, it's fine," which also feels like gross teenage boy just being like I'll just do whatever I yeah, want yeah just sit but on I my lap like, in front of my siblings like but like again I was like I want to be held like that <laughs> like, <laughs> did you were you putting yourself self-inserted belt this time or or it was a no for you it was I mean because I didn't really like my husband so I definitely was like I don't know I guess this is like way better <laughs> <laughs> actually think i'm gonna date vampires next like it's like it's crazy like and i actually tell you what you need to know about my relationship is that like i was like this crazy soccer man who could kill me is way better than my abusive husband escapism hashtag It is, it is. So they go to the big clearing in the woods in Emmett's huge Jeep and they play baseball and the storm covers their sound. Bella's like, of course, like, what can Edward do? And during the game, uh, Alice's vision like changes and they know that three vampires are approaching the family. And we learn that that's James, Victoria and Laurent. Laurent? Laurent. Laurent. Sorry. <laughs> he's, I, they let, in the movie, they lead us to believe, well, actually in the book, too, that, that he's, he's kind of like French. English proper French. Yeah. No, yeah, probably French. Yeah. Laurent. No, you're, you're totally right. You're totally right. They meet and they're like, they want to play the game. And Edward can read their minds. And it seems at this point that they are just curious and want to interact with them. But they are worried that Bella will be in danger. So they, like, 
try to cover her scent and stuff like that. She doesn't have time to leave. They have time to leave. I know, I know, they, I know, I know. They have time to leave. And I'll just never, I just can't, I'll and, never forgive her. And they take down her hair, even though her hair is up. And then what reveals her is a breeze ruffling her hair. Her hair up, put a scarf around her. Put her, throw her in the fucking river. I don't know. Like, <laughs> put but, her back in the Jeep. Like, there's literally so many things. And they have so much time to do something. And, like, I get that, like, the theory is that, like, they'll sense that, like, there's, like, a run or whatever. But, like, yes. I don't know. At the same time, I think you could run fast enough to get far enough that, like, those other vampires are not going to know what is really happening. Plot hole. Like, yeah, yeah. Like it's such a big plot hole. It's so annoying because it's like, okay, they sent they sent a little bit of a human scent and that's now gone. Okay, whatever. You just be like, hey, my fucking weird uh brother, I guess you wouldn't even you would just be like, This person I hang out with, this other vampire I hang out with, it, it was really fucking uh, hungry. hungry. Yeah. yeah, and he just took the human away because he's just he doesn't want anyone else to have it. And he sensed you guys were coming, and then he just went over. Like it's just, it's fine. Yeah. It's it, fine. It truly makes no fucking sense. But James is a tracker, and because Edward feels threatened by James, they do that crouch and growl thing. He brought a snack. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was really good. I did. I just am I just watching the yeah. Bella's like, um, actually, hey, <laughs> like, you're way hotter than my boyfriend, actually. <laughs> you have abs and, like, you know how to fuck. And this fucking weirdo wants to marry me first before he puts it in. And I am just ready to go. Oh, my God. I'm fucking dead. <laughs> no, like, literally, literally, though, she's like, me a snack? Like, why? Why, yes. I could be the whole meal, baby, if you want it. Um, so they're like, oh, my fucking God, get Bella away while the other three, like, go to the Cullen's house under, like, the ruse they want to, like, hang out or whatever. I guess Laurent isn't dangerous. Victoria is James's mate, so... They are now playing this game that they want to find and kill mm-hmm. Bella. And so Edward, Alice, and Emmett take Bella uh, away. They're trying to figure out a plan. Bella's like, I'll go home and I will, like, ruin Charlie's life and be like, I hate it here. I need to go back to Phoenix. She, like, uses the words that his her mom used against him during their divorce which is like really brutal and Alice and Jasper drive down to Phoenix with Bella while Edward and the rest of the clan tried to distract slash like detour James but it doesn't work and I would just like to say like the the like the ultimate plan ultimately was that Bella and Edward were just gonna like run away to another country and live or, like, there. Yeah, I was like, like I hope running. that happens because I, I know I it's like it's so that. funny. Yeah. Like the alternative like universe that Stephanie could have gone down if she chose to like go that route. But like because like then that could be in theory the rest of the books is like they're running from James or something. I don't really know. And ultimately it's way better the way they did it, but uh it's just interesting. And Bella again was so okay with it. She's like, fine, I'll say goodbye to my dad i don't give a shit yeah insane and when they're in phoenix alex has a vision of two rooms 
one is her mom's house and one is her former dance studio. Again, as a former dancer, I was like, she's me. Like <laughs> the phone rings the next day. And when Bella answers, she hears her mom's voice saying, Bella, Bella. Um, but James voice cuts in and he's like, I have your mom held hostage. If you don't meet me at her home, like slip mm-hmm. away from your two captors and mm-hmm. come to your home or I'll kill her. So Edward and Carlisle and Emmett are on their way. Is Emmett there? Mm-hmm. Oh, he comes with them, yeah. The three of them come down yeah. to, because I think Rosalie and Esme are protecting Charlie. So the three of them are flying down to Phoenix. And Bella sneaks away. Did you find, like, reading this, like, all of this, like, parts, like, very, like, is it, this is, like, an exciting part. I don't know, right? Like, it was definitely intriguing the first time. No, you're not into it. Like, the way she escapes in the bathroom and then, like, like runs to the house and then runs to the ballet studio. I just wonder, because I'm not really, I don't read a lot of romance novels, per se. And, like, this is definitely an action All This whole part is very action-y, but... No, I know. I was just, like, I just want them to get back together. So I feel like I always, like, <laughs> flip through the... Like, if I if I sound yeah. like I'm murky on the deets, it's because I uh, skim yeah. through this part. No, I'm with you. I'm with you, Jenna. My heart is beating. Like, this is really great action. Like, um, we are, t- yeah, glossing over some of the literary... Literary? I'm doing air quotes literary stuff but uh the scene that is building this action to where he where james the villain um gets bella on the phone and tells her that he's got his that he's got her mom is like chilling Mm -hmm. like he's like telling her exactly what to say so that she doesn't know and it's really scary. scary like He's a way scarier villain in the book than the movie mm-hmm. because he's like this normal guy who's just very even keeled and he's saying he's like delivering these like very scary like I'll kill your mom or you know now say like miss you mom like he's saying these things so that she fake says things over the phone so that Alice and Jasper don't pick up on it it's really scary I mean actually but like it is yeah. intense and it's and intense. yeah when she's running and trying to escape because like the odds are against her no Jenna I'm right there with you yeah, yeah. super super action-packed I kind of feel like Stephanie did good in this one part and then in Midnight Sun she does good again in this part oh, not I'm... spoilers oh it, it, this is the best part in Midnight Sun is the whole last part of the it's... book it's so fucking good. It's crazy. Um, oh, I can't so wait because I feel unhinged and crazy right now. Yeah, you get all you get the perspective of Edward uh, Emmett yeah. while and it's and Alice. It's so fucking crazy. Anyway, yeah, so crazy stuff. And then yeah, she but she's like la la la. I've done literally everything wrong this entire time. I'm gonna continue to do what I is the most wrong thing, which is just run alone by leave these vampires and go to the ballet studio. Uh, to save my mom who in the end is not actually there because James has tricked her and it's a tape recording I will say this did when I read this for the first time I was like I was (gasps) shook that her mom wasn't actually no it was good (laughs) it was a good plot twist that he used and she's like oh my god I'm so dumb because he just like replayed the like Bella like (laughs) part it's a home video basically (laughs) a home video that Bella had at her house of her when she was in ballet when she was younger and like got lost and her mom's like Bella Bella where are you (laughs) yeah and so James perfectly did that it's it's great I didn't see it coming no that's true I didn't see this part I did actually think that her mom was held hostage but James obviously attacks Bella when she gets there she passes out 
And as she <laughs> regains consciousness, she hears Edward calling her name. She thinks it's like an angel. She hears and like smells flames, which is like them killing and burning James. She feels this burning in her hand. And Carlisle is tending to all of her like she's like bleeding out and shit like that. He's like, oh, my God, James bit her hand, which means if the venom spreads, she will be a vampire. So Carl's like, you got to decide right now if you let her become a vampire, if you suck it out. And he's like, I can't or suck it out. And he and he's like, I can't suck it out. Like, I won't stop. Like, I'm obsessed with her blood and the way it smells and all of this stuff. And he's so afraid to taste it. And he's unsure he'll stop. But he does it. He sucks it out of her hand. And he's able to stop. And he's like, I truly love this girl. Because I was able to stop myself from going overboard. <sighs> I hate him so much. Just let her become a I don't. When, when I first read this, I was like, why did he stop? She could have been a vampire. She's aging. And every year she gets older. And like... They could have lived happily ever after. Nowadays, I'm like, oh, yeah, you should probably just, like, date for a little bit first. Like- <laughs> the way I was so on her side every step of the way of, like, she's so worried about being older than him and just wanting to be 17 when he's also 17 to be forever. And, yeah, I'm just, like, your prefrontal cortex has not developed yet. Like, as, yeah, now it's just, like, please date some other people. You actually will get over Edward. You 100% will, but it's, like, that's fine. And she's, like, totally okay, which I guess she doesn't really connect with her parents, so it's fine, but she's, like, totally okay to be, like, oh, yeah, like, fuck them. Like, I don't have to see them ever again. Like, I'm okay with that. Which is teenager. A teenager is going to feel that way. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, arrested development over here. Oh, I was like, I just realized, like, if, like, in an alternate universe that we wanted to make, like, a documentary, a true crime documentary that, like, the Collins actively seek out people like this. You know, like, he sought out this insecure little teen woman who has bad relationships with her family, is a single child, not going to have any siblings worrying about her. He's like, this is all perfect. My plan worked. No, that's, that's so fucked. So she wakes up in the hospital room. Edward tells her what what happened. Bella's mom's there, and she's trying to, like, convince her to move to Florida. And Bella's like, well, you wouldn't be able to, like, go outside in Florida. So, like, I can't move there. And he's like, no, you should probably go there, like, by yourself. <laughs> like, and she's oh like, no. <laughs> like, How triggering. How triggering is this scene to all of us, right? right? Like, who's read it and who's experienced, like, that kind of behavior from a partner. This is bad. This is really yeah, bad. Everything is going so well. And then, like I said, we know that Edward has, like, he has his reasons. And, like, he's not necessarily wrong. Like, he should get, he, he should have never engaged with her to begin with. You know, right? Like, I get his perspective. So we can, like, give him that. But, like, it is so triggering to be in a relationship with somebody and then one day they're just like no like you should go like I don't want to be with you because I'm too troubled it's like it's that like it's not you it's me shit and it's so upsetting can I really quickly give one movie moment in this yeah moment? of course um just more of like a fun like do you ever do you remember like an MTV or VH1 when it was like pop-up video yeah and there was like a little like fun fact so this is the pop-up video moment like dee, dee, dee. okay so in the moment when she's in the hospital and she's waking up and she's about to start talking to Edward 
and behind behind like in front of her there's a tv screen you know they have the tv screens in the in the movies or in the hospitals on the screen is the ballet fight scene being played Catherine hardwick put the ballet fight scene on the tv in the hospital of Bella. So when you're watching the movie. Why? In the I'm so she, confused. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. We have we need to talk about this in the adaptation. Because she does talk about it in the, the director's cut. Um, the director's cut. And yeah, it's like of course I've watched the commentary yeah. because the Twilight commentary It's so iconic. Is, it's because it's Robson. iconic, but it's like Robert Pat Robert Pattinson, Kristen Stewart, and Catherine Hardwick watching the first one. And yeah, I would, I'll say like the, this part of the book is done better. I didn't realize how lack of action there is in the book because of course, from Bella's perspective, she's just like out of it and bleeding out. And so there's actually no fight scene at all yeah. in the books, which I didn't realize. And of course it like does it much more cinematically in the, in the movie. Um, but yes, Jenna and the hospital scene, I think I had a lot of sticky notes if I recall in my hospital scene, because there's a lot of like her, he kisses her mm -hmm. and her heartbeat, her heart monitor is going off. And he's just like, hmm, I'm going to be, be careful with you. Like so cheeky. And she is just like, you can't leave, like you can't leave me. And it's like really emotional. I love what you're talking about, like some triggering shit, Jenna. But she also, I, I think I had this little line bookmarked, which was, which I thought was so funny and good writing where she's just like, uh, needles. And she's like upset. Bella's upset about having needles. And he's like, he's like, sure. The sadistic vampire trying to kill you. No problem. But needles you're afraid of, <laughs> which is so funny. And I was just like, I, yeah, I love the, I love the There scene. is funny bits in this book. Like I will say I was like, LOL. And like when she can't get her finger pricked in biology class like that and he's like oh my god you're scared of blood like it it's just like there's fucking funny shit in this in this book but this scene is actually like really heartbreaking because he's like basically like I will never hurt you so if I put you in any like circumstance like I'll just leave which obviously is foreshadowing but at the time, I had no fucking clue what was going to rock my fucking world. They're back in Forks. It's the epilogue. Edward takes Bella to prom. She's in the blue dress with the leg cast. And he keeps saying to her, I don't want you to miss out on any human experiences. So he takes her to prom. She doesn't know in the book. Um, and Tyler tries to take her again. Um, and he shuts her him down for her and springs prom on her. And they're dancing. Right. So Bella's like pissed. Like she starts crying. She's yeah. so angry because she hates dancing so much. And he's just like, humor me. Like what reading back, it's like he thinks he knows so much better for her. And he's so concerned about her human experiences and like giving her what he thinks he's taking away from her. But reading it from just, I mean, obviously all these problematic relationship standpoints, but just from the relationship perspective. I'm like, your partner hates, yeah, deep, deeply hates and has said multiple times that she doesn't like dances. She doesn't like doing she that. That's tried not her to thing. She get out of the first one that was earlier in the semester. She tried to get out of the first one. It's like very obvious. She doesn't make it, she doesn't make it shy. And then secretly you just manipulate it to take her anyways. And then when she gets upset about it, you're like, 
humor me because I like know better than you. It's just, um, it's just funny. Of course, reading it back, these are some of the problematic pieces, but again, I just thought it was so romanticized. This is why I need to discover feminism and, and I reading it back and I was just like, okay, this isn't even like cutie anymore. Like this is bad relation, bad boyfriend behavior. Edward let her, um, make her own decisions but then she dances and has, has a great night so. no I know I know and like I do agree with him at some point it's like she should she is going if she becomes a vampire or if she even continues to date him she's gonna miss out on so many things so in that sense yes I understand him did he do it the right way it's like no because it's like this is <laughs> No. It, also, this isn't a human experience that is like a must-have. I guess it is in American like culture, like prom. But the reason why Bella is like meant to be a vampire and like, or like you know, meant to be with their family and all this stuff is because she's different. She's not like the other girls, she and like she was prom. never. She was like, I was never going to need this, even if I was having. If I didn't know you, I wouldn't have gone to prom for like this human experience because I hate dancing and I'm terrible at it. Anyways, but he lets her dance on his feet. I know it's cute. Uh, and while they're dancing, Jacob Black interrupts, and he warns Bella about the Collins again. He said that his dad put him up to it. So then Bella. And Edward, like, leave to, like, I think an outside area. It definitely is outside in the in the movie. I can't remember in the book. And they're dancing, and she's like, hey, like, I've done prom now. Like, you can change me now. Like, I'm, like, really disappointed that you won't change me. And he promises that he'll stay with her no matter, you know, like, what she looks like and how she ages and stuff like that. There's, yeah, the cute moment where he's like, you're for sure. Like, I could do it now. And he, like you know lean dips her and she exposes his her neck and stuff like that and he just kisses her so hot all in all though she's like that's good enough for me i can work on the vampire vampire thing later down the road so true bestie so true bestie like yeah he's manipulating you you gotta manipulate (laughs) (laughs) she's like gotta get the strategy ready for like the next argument yes feminism that's so fucking funny okay should we dive into some like funny funny shit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as if yeah as if all of that wasn't hilarious yeah (laughs) as if i haven't been smiling for the last hour and hour and a bit (laughs) Uh, okay, let's dive into our internet investigation. This is our cursory peruse of the internet of things you need to know. The concept of Twilight came to Stephanie in a dream. On June 2nd, 2003, mm. we should celebrate that day. Mm. Oh my god, you're right. That should... Pride month. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> we lost Megan. <laughs> We completely lost my. I'm like putting it. I'm putting it in my <laughs> yeah, calendar. Yeah, right and now. I was like, oh, why do I write this down? And she first wrote chapter 13, which is the meadow scene. So that's what she pictured in her head: a sparkly vampire and a girl laying in a meadow, and them just like talking about how they can't be together. And the first oh, 13 Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like also Taylor Swift coded. And mm-hmm. her first draft was called Forks, but her publisher asked her to change it to Twilight because there's two Twilight references in the book where Edward is saying that's the safest time for him because the sun is going down and it's like the end of a good day or whatever. And Edward is named after the characters in Jane Eyre 
and sense and sensibility. Be- mm. And he's like, he has to have a name like that because he's from fucking 1901. and rosalie and jasper's original names were carol and ronald wow thank god rosalie and jasper are such haughty names compared to carol and ronald but i guess i would probably be saying carol and ronald are like so hot (laughs) (laughs) if it was switched yeah Yeah. (laughs) and it took her a really long time to get the book published which I think is normal for most books um so she gave the manuscript to her sister and she was like oh my god you have to send this to publishing houses she did like 25 times or something like that and she didn't get any responses because she fucking sent it was I I didn't write down the length but it was like it was like like the full book basically with even more scenes that the publishers ended up cutting um because she didn't know that young adult manuscripts should be about like 40 to 60,000 words. So no one was like taking it seriously. But then an inexperienced assistant at writer's house, like responded to the, her inquiry. And then like <sighs> the rest is history. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of wild. Cause it's, yeah. becomes like the most popular book in, in, you know, the 20 or the 2000s. Yeah. The apple on the cover is to represent forbidden fruit. Did you guys get that when you read it? No. No, but that makes so much sense. I'm just like so... It's Adam so, and Eve. Like, yeah, it's so religious coded. Damn it. I'm like, God, I'm such a dumbass. I'm so dumb. And there's literally a Genesis quote before the table of contents. Well, this is what I was going to... That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, which... But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Which is like, um, yeah, that's a great cover then for it, actually. Like, the apple is a fantastic cover for it. Because as we mentioned, our girl Stephanie is a Mormon, which comes up a lot in the book about their virginity and their clothes and their puritanical nature. And Jen and I talked a lot about that in our cultural impact of twilight episode okay our wonder why's these are unanswered questions for the listeners i wrote two but let me know if you two have any i said why has no other human except for bella in forks questioned or (laughs) doubted the cullens and their weird incest family and their perfect beauty and their wealth no one has once batted a fucking eye and she, pick me girl of the century, is like, no, I like, I'm observant. I noticed that there's something weird about them. No, if any of us were living in Forks at that time, we were like starting the first true crime podcast. <laughs> and we were like, we're, we're like the unedited, like the unseen in every cut of the movie. There's just a scene of some girl and it's us in the background being like, wait a minute. <laughs> writing something down because... Because, yeah, there's no way that there's no one else who's, like, obsessed enough or who's weird enough to not be like, I'm going to look into this. I mean, I feel like there's been times in the book series where they did reference, like, they did have to move from some places because some people kind of referenced it or noticed them. But I want more information about that. Like, yes, I need, like, yeah. I need, like, I need details about where that was, who that was. Did they kill them? Did they, like... I want uh, the dark version. I want yeah. the dark version. Like, I, like, I'm, like, there's definitely something... What's the adult version of Twilight where, yeah, they're, like, killing people to keep their cover? Like, Rosalie is probably, like, killing whoever. She, like, wants her human life. So she's, like, you looked at me the wrong way, you're dead. Again, Midnight Sun and Midnight 
son, oh my god, with Carlisle and his little black bag. Yeah, and his house calls. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing um, I'll say about that is that I didn't pick up on my first 100 reads, but I did on this one, was where Edward asked his family, have you guys ever met someone who smells so much better than like Mm -hmm. a normal human? And Mm -hmm. Emmett said, yes, two people have. And then Edward kind of insinuates that they're both dead. So maybe that's why they had to move. (laughs) He's like, and it it didn't, it didn't end well for our friend. (laughs) Like, (laughs) so funny. Okay. And then the other biggest question I always have about this fucking series, why did the Cullens, and like, I know that there, there is kind of like some reasons, like they want to be, their humanity they care about. And stuff like that. But, like, why do they want to settle down in one place? Why do they want to enlist in high school and, like, do all this mundane shit when they can just not do that? (laughs) Doesn't make sense. That is a plot hole. And I just think that, well, I think there's, like, a big piece, actually, uh, around Arrested Development. Like, actually, they're all frozen in time Mm -hmm. um, at, at their age. Like, he's 17. Like, it's actually the only... Thing going for the lack of creepiness between the hundred age like year difference is that I think that there is multiple times I think Midnight Sun talks about it a little bit more and they're really truly I think frozen in time at, at when they were developmentally like even though they did have all these years of experience and so like I think Edward's 17 and he's like a 17 year old boy despite having some other stuff and that was what feels like it for me but I don't even think that's a good enough thing to of a of a to explain away why you would enroll in high school there's just in Forks Washington there's no way because he's like yeah I've done high school like 10 times or whatever through <laughs> and like I know that Carlisle also wants to be a doctor but he could totally do like a residency you know at each city and then like move on or whatever like I don't know there's just other ways that they could live their life where they don't have to go to fucking high school every day for six hours it makes no sense to me the wonder why is still wondering why literally okay gripes and grumbles these are nitpicky problems we have with the book uh could you imagine i'm like none 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 for none for me you guys okay one of the biggest ones that i had a trouble with now reading it is how many times he references how childlike she is there's so many times where he like picks her up like a toddler or references his, <laughs> references their classmates as children, references Jacob Black as a child, even though he's one year younger than Bella. Like there's just so many times like, yeah, he's dancing on her feet, which is cute. But like with all these <laughs> other context clues, it's fucking weird. And like, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's fucking weird. Yeah, no, certainly. It doesn't feel good reading as an adult. You're like, this is just too... It really is. Like, there is so much, like... I I really think that, like, the gaslighting and the abuse is a big gripe for me, too. Like, I mean, just... You can't... <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> no, <laughs> yes. I know. Yes. Uh, and I guess it's just like, yeah, we all experienced it, but, like, oh, God, it is... It, it, it's... And the codependency, right? Like, it's such a codependent relationship. So to me, I think that's a pretty big gripe. I still have, you know, like, what the fuck, dude? And just the the pace at which they move. Like, the the Insta attraction, I get Insta attraction, 
Especially because he looks like exactly how humans want other humans to look because that's how Mm -hmm. they lure in their prey. So Mm -hmm. I get the instant attraction. But saying I love you after like one fucking day is insane. Gay culture. (laughs) I don't understand. I don't. I don't. I don't. No, but I get being like fucking hung up on someone or being like so obsessed Mm -hmm. like in this time like Edward and Justin Bieber like I was I like I was I was Bella basically but like man oh man when you read it in any other context you're like this is fucking insane I just wish they like you know maybe had the academic year together before they said I don't know whatever it doesn't matter my grape and grumble is that I just had this thought while I was reading it this time around that Carlisle is something's wrong with that yes, man. Yes. Because, because out of context, the first person he chose for companionship in a eternal relationship to make somebody else a vampire is a dying 17 year old boy who he has no idea what his personality is or if they would be a good match and he's just like this is the one a 17 year old boy so that I was like unhinged behavior and I did not pick this up until this read this next thing that I'm gonna say Bella is hanging out with Esme on the way while they're doing while they're doing baseball and and Esme goes yeah, did you know that, um, like, I had a baby, but then I he died, like, as a baby, so I jumped off a cliff, and that's, like, how, and, and Bella's like, oh, Edward just said you fell, and she's like, ha, he's such a gentleman, and I thought to myself, the second, oh, I don't know if Rosalie or who was the second person, Rosalie. but the second, the second or third person that you make into a vampire is a woman who's just tried to off herself because her her oh, baby's dead yeah. that's who you that's who you want to that's who you're also wanting to spend your life with you need to sort out your priorities sir you are unhinged and i was just I like mean, he it was just, he makes rosalie to be edward's wife oh yeah but we don't get rosalie's backstory yet but yeah he makes rosalie to be edward he like thinks that it'll be a match for edward but again no, no matchmaking skills no no context not looking just to see if they would be good or not which obviously they're not going to be good but he also makes rosalie who has a horrific death story who may just want to die and not like want to still live i mean rosalie getting her revenge we'll talk about that another time but no, carlisle yeah no i have a friend who's been on a couple of podcast episodes with me who's like he is a cult leader and he needs to be jailed like no, there's something literally deeply, there's something deeply wrong with carlisle that we've all just like romanticized for some reason until we're older and we're like wait a second no 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 that's no that's so true that's so fucking true and the fact that um, when Bella meets him, she describes him, I think she describes him as like a late 20s, early 30s looking guy. <laughs> He's a cult leader. He's a cult. That's so funny, Jenna. That is like, I never thought about that. And I'm like, and I'm like, pick me to <laughs> Oh my God. I said that at the beginning of the episode, like literally. Did I stutter? Me. Yeah. Like literally pick me. But also that's so fucking weird. And then Alice and Jasper, they're already vampires. And then they get a premonition that they should join the Cullen family. But that, that's how you, that's how you get, he gets them. 
<laughs> yeah, that's how you. That's how you do a cult. You're like, mm, this is the way. This is how it's supposed to be. Mm, animal blood. <laughs> that's my grape. That's my. That's so funny. That's my grape and crumble. I don't think there's a section for this, but there are crush moments, like cutie romance moments, that I still have to reference before we're done. Before I don't know if there's any more grapes and crumbles. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Any more grapes and crumbles? Like I feel like we've talked mm-hmm. about most of them. And again, the big picture stuff, like the using. Mm -hmm. so bad indigenous lore and not speaking with people that live there and like all of that stuff all the purity culture stuff we have deep dive and I'll put the link in in my episode show notes okay before we get to sequel scoop let's hear about your moments yeah just like a few so it he is nagging her or I don't know what when they're in the car and they're talking about uh, he's like, oh, Dave, Dave, you see, you also listened to like Claire, Claire Delune. Um, but I just was like, I was after they realized that I, I think it's a Lincoln Park or Good Charlotte CD that's not referenced, actually written in the book. But Stephanie Meyer has talked about that that was the music she was listening to when she was writing it. And that's the CD that Bella and Edward are both referencing that they both kind of have in their car. It's and Lincoln so there's Park. this. Re- yeah, it's Lincoln, Lincoln Park. Park. Yeah. Okay. There's this really cute moment where I'm like, oh, this is like teen romance. You realize you like the same music. Like you like like the same. And he's just like, oh, you also have this CD. So that's a cutie moment. Um, like maybe the only normal teenage romance mm-hmm. moment that they have. We have we have not talked about all the dazzling. I realized through this whole thing that there's multiple moments. And I was truly dazzled every time where Bella's breath is taken away by looking into his eyes I'm like you must just have the dreamiest eyes and they're looking and and he just like has a supernatural power basically over her just because his eyes are so pretty and she's just like he'll be staring at her to be like you okay girl and she's like what what were you saying actually that's one of my real gripes and grumbles on the day that he asks her all of the questions about he's like I've got a million questions for you so he's like you know what's Charlie like what's Renee like all of this stuff why didn't you like Phoenix like blah 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 or whatever and Mm -hmm. he goes what's your favorite gemstone and it's like who the fuck would ever ask that if you are a teenager but I guess he's not and then she goes well if you would have asked me last week when he had black eyes I would have said onyx but I'll say like whatever the like copper or like whatever her color ochre like whatever his eyes are goldy she says that and I'm like I fucking hate you. <laughs> you, you cringe ass bitch. You hate love. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. What's your favorite gemstone? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever your eye color is. No, I get it. It's cheesy as hell. So fucking cheesy. That's really funny. The only other thing is there's, I, I said this before, but Bella's like really snarky and has sarcasm through and it's really, really funny when you pick up on it. And there's this one line that's just, so small that I thought was so funny it's like when she's still annoyed at him for orchestrating like all these boys getting to ask her to this this dance and she's just like I'm gonna kill this guy and she goes uh the next morning when I pulled into the parking lot I deliberately parked as far as possible from the silver Volvo I didn't want to put myself in the path of too much temptation and end up owing him a new car I was like that is so funny like yeah smash his car like there's multiple (laughs) times too (laughs) there's like multiple times where she's like thinking I could just put a small dent in it like my car will hold up his shiny stupid Volvo I could probably just nudge it a little bit and give it and I'm like you're kind of violent (laughs) 
I love it. Oh my god, that's so psychotic. Yeah, she's crazy. She's, I love it. She, she's no, that's, and that's yeah, actually, yeah. We love, like, we love Bella. She's I say that with love and sassy. light. Like, yeah, <laughs> Jenna, like you've said in I think your gay episode, which stays with me forever now. Team Edward or Team Jacob? I'm Team Bella. Team Bella. Always. I don't think we ever really talked about that. Were you obviously? I. It's more of a new moon thing, but like. Were you guys yeah. always Team Edward? Yeah, as a 13-year-old girl reading the books, I was always Team Edward. Yeah. yeah like- I wasn't, like, super staunch in my... Mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a little thing, I think, for Jacob Black, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm Team Bella, ultimately, but... I was I'm like, for sure. I'm like not even then, team Bella half the time. Yeah, I know exactly. It's, I pick me, bitch. <laughs> okay, finally, sequel scoop. This is the tea on any upcoming sequels, seasons, and general reception. Obviously, it did crazy well. It debuted at number five, but peaked at number one on the like best-selling books list. Uh, it was dubbed number 26 of the best-selling books of the last 15 years in 2008. It was applauded for a good portrayal of teenage alienation and sexual desire. People said the writing was simple. I don't think the stalker toxicity convos came until a lot later on. So I guess we were also dazzled by by the vampire. Do you guys remember that? Like, I don't remember them talking shit about the book other than making fun of it. Like, but like, ta- like having a critical lens at the book until like, it must have been the 2010s. Yeah, I feel like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there was probably somewhere in an adult world, but you know, the internet was kind of new too, in a way. You yeah. Know, like, no, literally. On that level, yeah. You know? So like, who knows? But yeah, I did not pick up that either for sure. New Moon, which is a sequel, was released August 21st, 2006. And then the movie came in 2008, which I think we're hoping to cover in another episode. Um, and we've gotten tons of other Twilight content. There's a manga version, graphical graphic novel version we have life and death which is the gender bender version that came out in 2015 that yes i have not read but i do own i recommend i recommend i'm going to do it Bo and who eleanor eleanor and then there's midnight sun which we've referenced a million times edward's perspective that came out in 2020 and if you are a real OG, actually, Jenna, you wouldn't know this, maybe. Or you did, but you weren't there to experience it like Megan and I were. But the first few chapters of Midnight Sun were leaked in 2006. And I downloaded that so fucking quick. Probably gave my computer, my home, you know, desktop computer, a million viruses. <laughs> and that fucking petty Betty, Stephanie Meyer, scrapped the entire Midnight Sun book. Because someone leaked those chapters, which like, I guess fair enough. And then in 2020, she was like probably starving for money. So she releases it. But holy shit, the way that I got went feral for those chapters. There was also, I probably, I don't know if it's on her website anymore, but I could find it, I'm sure, because the internet would help me out. But there were a lot of deleted scenes that she put up on the, on the website, including like including like some some key Rosalie scenes stuff that I think the publishers had made her cut from the first one and so now that's making me want it it used to just be up on her website included with fan casts that she had for the movies before the movies were ever in talk yeah music that she had that she had playlists that she had and memorably photos of all of the prom outfits that inspired 
um like so like photos ugly. from from fashion shows that she was like this was the dress that Alice was wearing this was the dress that Rosalie was wearing which is just like really fun internet behavior like before you know like authors just don't do that anymore but I I could I'm sure I could find the archives that Reddit would help me I'm sure totally and I appreciate how thorough and like how specific her vision was I will give her that but you're right it was a badminton scene prom shopping with Alice which I don't understand because I think it's under the... They must have cut that because she's surprised that she goes to to prom. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole Emmett and a bear scene because it's always referenced that Emmett likes uh, to eat annoyed, like, disgruntled bears. <laughs> and then more from the prom. So I'm going to dig those up. I want to reread those. And, of course, we get fanfic, including Fifty Shades of Grey and Gabriel's Inferno, which is on passion flicks and I have watched the first one 50 shades of gray obviously blew up like huge almost just as popular I would say as twilight and I never understood why and then again reading the book for the first time in like 10 years I could totally see it being a sub dom book because there's so many times where Edward is like drink or like sit or whatever Bella responds obeys no hesitation and I didn't see that obviously as a kid I I wasn't thinking that but it makes so much sense that someone would read this and vividly write a <laughs> three-part BDSM, BDSM three-part <laughs> fanfic yeah I saw it as a kid and was into it I like I didn't know I didn't have words for that but yeah like I think it's like pretty obvious and she's like hot but like he does he does do a lot of stuff that's just like really physical with her without her consent mm-hmm. and there are definitely like consent issues later on for sure and for some of the rest, sure. in the rest of the the rest of the books but um yeah that is just so funny to me I didn't know but until what quite a bit after 50 shades was even published I didn't know I wasn't reading twilight fan fiction I didn't know about the internet that great at the time when I was reading it but I would have if and I'm thankful that I didn't have that <laughs> I didn't have it then um because I probably would have been like this is the best fan fiction series of my life totally so. I'm surprised I haven't read more to be honest I yeah I just read 50 shades of gray for the first time ever last year and it was and I plan to do some episodes about it on my podcast but it is fucking wild it's like it's truly weird and like the weird comparisons to like Carlisle and and Christian Grey's like crackhead mom is like fucking weird man and, oh, or, yeah. oh yeah well no sorry no Mrs. Robinson Mrs. Robinson is Carlisle sorry and uh yeah. and then there's just like the whole thing about like the BDSM is like vampirism it's 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 just interesting man it's interesting yeah there's so much to unpack like again that could be a whole other episode yeah okay we have two listener questions and then let's wrap up at red underscore fox says is there something in the book you wish they would have added or removed from the movie mm-hmm. for me i think i i swear like i love the hotness of the kiss scene in the movie when they're in their bedroom and they kiss it is so fucking hot so i would never really want that to go away but i do i am mad that like the first kiss was like just changed so drastically and the meadow scene was just changed so drastically like it just is so romantic in a different way and they changed it and made it so like sexy which again i'm happy for but it's just like it's not it's not the content of the book i know i wish that was like their second kiss or something like that totally like they kiss at the meadow then they go home to her bedroom and then have that type of kiss yeah that is such a good kiss 
<laughs> I I wish that I mean I'm I you couldn't have told me when I was young and I was like gagging for the movie to come out but I a lot of the book lines that were so wonderful in the book don't translate to screen so like the like what a stupid lamb what a sick masochistic line doesn't come off great to me in the movie it's like because it's just not really natural dialogue that would that would happen but in the book it's believable and you can read it as you go mm. so yeah I think I was just like really not okay with I mean the meadow scene was so important to me and I and I wanted it to be exactly how it was and then it's very very different so there's different. just like mm-hmm. there's just like nothing there for it and it's just in a forest instead and I'm sure they made those decisions for what they did but um and I think that things that were in the movie that should have been in the book um was Edward running around on treetops with her that was a brilliant Catherine Hardwick move and that was and I think that should, could have been in the book and Stephanie Meyer pretty sure it sure has been like damn I wish I had written that so totally because in the movie he jumps out of his bedroom window when he fake attacks her but this time he just like jumps on her it's onto a bed right no a couch a couch a couch yeah. she- he, he because he doesn't have a bed he doesn't have he a bed in his sleep. room right right at that at, at that, that point stage. yeah but Mm -hmm. foreshadowing um yeah completely agree that I thought at the time that they butchered the meadow scene which is so weird because it's like the scene of the fucking book so yeah that was annoying to me I actually prefer the vampire reveal in the movie because like I said in the app it's like when she reveals it in the car yeah, There's yeah. just not the because you you can't you're not even facing the person which I guess they aren't yeah. technically in the the forest no, but like but it is kind of yeah. like rando that it's just like in the car as they're like driving but I will say about Port Angeles I live in Victoria BC and on my walk and I actually called Megan on a walk today when I was walking down the beach and I can see Port Angeles from my beach here and every time I'm just like teehee like. <laughs> Edward. (laughs) Um, Okay, last question. At Kat and Lamar asks, I've seen all the movies but never read the books. Is it worth it? I don't understand people like this. I love you, Kat and Lamar. And I I respect your choice. Also, Jenna, this is Kat, our mutual... Oh, our mutual friend. I love you. Love you so much. But... Because I'll have people who will, like, try to date me or befriend me, and they'll be like... I haven't read the books, but I'm so happy to watch the movies with you. And I'm like, don't bother. (laughs) Like, if you haven't read the books, and and it's not like, you can still date me. You can still date me. We can still be friends. But, like, don't bother. Like, why would you? Why would you watch the movies without reading the book? Because, like, and to me, I see it totally as a companion piece. I think they're two separate entities to me. I love them both equally in different ways and and hate them in different ways. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think I have said it before in my podcast, I think that in, in, in a way, uh, um, Rosen, Rosenberth or Rosengarth, whoever like did the screenplay for all of the movies, she slayed it in so many ways to the point where I feel like you have to read the books to enjoy the movies to their full capacity. So, yes, I guess read them is your question. Is it worth it? Read them. Yes, it is. But absolutely. It is literal art. And I just want to say also, because and Megan, you noted this, it's, you know, it's one one POV. It's also an is it a narrative book like or it's a heavy narrative or something like that? Like, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like it's where there's actually not like there's what five days of school. Mm. and a meadow scene and 
the almost murder scene. Like, that's literally it. So I feel like the most of it is her in her head and her describing what's going on. And you just can't do that in a movie. If you, my take's a little different. I, I think if you, I think the movies are more accessible now because I think people can watch them for, for camp as much as being like Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson are amazing actors and and now you can have this like treat cult like when or why are we not calling them cult classic films yet because I think that there's something like so special but like very funny and campy about them um and there's this very special energy that if you love the book you can see them and if you just watch them as movies on their own there's like something interesting and really like I think you said Jenna like companion pieces and like they each their own but I think with how it like a deep dive into the problematic nature. I like actually understand why somebody would be like, I just don't need to bother with right. like reading them. If I'm not going to be like, if you love romance and you, mm-hmm. I think you can like understand and love fantasy and stuff. Then I think like read them. I think you're going to have a fun time with them. And I think they would make the movie experience like really enjoyable and really fun. If that was never your type of book or like, you're not really a book girly or anything I, I just like I don't I don't want I don't want somebody to read them and then be like hmm, yeah I didn't like them yeah I actually only want yeah. I think that's I think that's it I just like don't like but I think that I would anybody who might be like oh I don't want to I didn't do that I would want to watch the movies with them because I'm like no no there's some like really like it's gonna be fun you're gonna have a fun time watching yeah. the movies but if you're not gonna love the books don't talk to me maybe that's my take not that you shouldn't read them just like know yourself and if and if you're not gonna no literally but who doesn't like them I was also gonna say it's like a quick read and I just looked at the page count it's 500 pages which like it goes really fast like it's only 24 chapters but like that's like a decent sized book any final thoughts on our beloved Twilight. I'll give it a 10 out of 10. Eye dazzles. It's it's one of my five-star books on Goodreads. I'm not going <laughs> to mince words here. Uh, Oprah's yeah. must read, um, <laughs> book of the month. Yeah. Uh, I hope she read it, actually. Uh, yeah, my closing remarks are that it is great escapism, I think, even currently, even currently. So enjoy it and uh, ride whatever journey it takes you on. Like if it makes you think about your family or your past relationships, just like just lean into that. Yeah, absolutely. My Goodreads, my Goodreads that I ha- that I gave today since I finished reading it review was the way this book holds up for me as a 30 year old, the same way it did when I first picked it up as 13 is beautiful, brings a tear to my eye. No notes, lots of notes, but LOL, don't talk to me about it unless you're coming from a place of love. <laughs> no, literally, <laughs> if you are here in bad faith, like GTFO, this is a coming from the deepest admiration and love for this book with with a, a critical eye every once in a while. But yeah, absolutely no notes. Like it's so fucking good. It's so good, you guys. I know we just like brutalize some of the parts but like I was cheesing I I haven't smiled so much in like a really long time it was it was really good okay thank you both so much oh my god thank you no this has been so much fun I I cannot wait to talk to you both again whether it's uh, new moon or it's twilight the movie maybe we'll let let, the listeners Mm -hmm. vote decide decide. Mm -hmm. 
Midnight Sun. Oh my god, Jenna. So don't tempt me with that. Okay, uh, Jenna, where can we find your Twilight podcast and anything else you want to plug? Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, find us at uh, Supermassive Twilight Hole on Instagram and anywhere where you find podcasts. And then if you like The Bachelor, follow me at Date Card Pod as well. <laughs> You know what I'll plug for this episode because I like new Twilight friends. I just like don't need anybody and any other friends. You can find me at my random personal Instagram at Megan E. Stewart. Love that. <laughs> Love that for you. Okay, friends. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Love it. And that's the story of Twilight. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Megan and Jenna for joining me on today's show. This has been a really emotional and fun week for me. I didn't realize rereading this book how many memories of my high school experience would come up and just like being in my childhood home and just, you know, all of the stuff that comes up with something that was so personal to you in such a critical time in your life. And it's been so much fun revisiting these characters And I've been updating Megan and Jenna that I'm like about a third of the way done Midnight Sun, even though we recorded on Sunday and I'm recording this outro on Tuesday. So I've been doing a little bit of reading at night. I've also been like listening to the soundtrack and the instrumentals in Paramore and stuff like that. And it's just been so fun. I've contacted some of my high school friends and we've talked about memories of like going to the movie and reading the book together. And it's again, just been so nice to reconnect with Twilight, something that I don't do very often for someone who again was so obsessed with it for such a long period of time. And today I realized when I was doing some admin work on my podcast that I had just released basically my 300th episode. So 300 episodes of podcasting through my Patreon, Ready to Be Petty, and then Ready to Be Romance. You know, I've been on countless podcasts as a guest as well. And like, I don't think I talk about this too much, but my podcast was almost a Twilight podcast. I ended up going with pop culture because I thought... It was more sustainable for me and maybe would cast a broader net in terms of an audience. But I always think back to, you know, 2017, 2018, when I was dreaming up my podcast of what it would be. And it's so funny how it was really close to being a Twilight podcast and how different I feel like my life would be if that was the case. So yeah, it's been a really fun week just reminiscing And I hope it was the same for you if you reread the book with us or or if you just listened and were remembering the first time that you read it. I feel like we should wrap up now because it's been a long episode, but a few housekeeping things. If you could subscribe and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, that would be much appreciated because we are such a new pod. It is so helpful for us to have reviews so people can see it and see that they're listeners and that the content is worth hitting play. Um, I have had the sweetest reviews from some of you. So thank you so much. I really do not take for granted any person that checks out this podcast, listens for any amount of time, or, you know, sticks around for all of the episodes. I so, so appreciate it. As always, you can suggest a book or leave a voicemail with a question or comment with the links in the episode show notes. And on my Instagram, I often put like Q&As and I also have a schedule of the next 
couple books we're going to cover so you can follow along with us. So thank you so much again for listening. And our next episode is Fourth Wing. Until then, happy reading. For Ready to be Romanced, I'm Tori. Goodbye. (laughs) Thank you.